Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, this week on More to Come, uh, we're here at the PW offices with uh, Terrence Urban, uh, graphic novel buyer and floor manager at uh, Kinokuniya, the Kinokuniya branch here yeah. in New York City. Um, yes. Terrence, welcome to More to Come. Thank you for bringing me here. Uh, this is a pleasure. <laughs> this is more than I thought it was going to be. You know? <laughs> we're, 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 in a, in, we're in my spacious office at Publishers Weekly, and I don't Beautiful. mean that to be ironic. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a little bit bigger than your average New York City it's, it's a kitchen. It's a, it's a reader's <laughs> wet dream, basically. There you go. <laughs> well, well, it's actually more like the size of your average New York kitchen. It's, it's cozy, and it's crammed with a lot of stuff. A lot books. of good stuff. Yeah. We got all kinds of stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. but we're what we're here uh, is to actually learn a little bit more about Terrence, uh, and also to learn from Terrence. I mean, he uh, Kuno is a global book selling chain. Yeah. I'm talking 87, 90 stores around the world. Close to that. Close you know, to, um, more, more at coming. least sixty in Japan, but yes. uh, ten here in the U.S. Right. Um, uh, they're a big seller of manga, but nowadays. Even bigger seller of of graphic novels yeah. across the board, be they Euro comics, yeah. uh, American superhero comics, yeah. um, but uh, book format graphic novels yeah. are booming at Kinokuni. I think it's fair to say it's been very good for us um, the last few years, especially since we started expanding and doing more with it. It's been a great result of basically selection range and getting people interested as far as doing even events and things like that in fact this next saturday we're going to be doing our i think it's our fourth free comic book day and so it's going to be even bigger for us oh that's right free free comic book day is coming up in fact this podcast will probably go well we gotta see actually Mm -hmm. we're not sure quite when this will go live it Mm -hmm. might be after so you might be hearing this after comic book, uh, after comic book day, <laughs> but you know, but uh, so, um, but look, uh, you're 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 the floor manager, graphic novel bar. But yeah. can, can you give us a little personal background mm. on, on you? And uh, who is Terrence Irvin? Who am, who am I? <laughs> I am I am really nobody who just walked his way into a nice situation, and it's been a very very good situation for myself. Um, I have a background in studying art and illustration um, years ago at the Art Students League and in the uh-huh. School of Visual Arts, and it's always been informed by reading a lot of... Are you an artist yourself? I, I, I try to be. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people keep telling me, especially when I meet artists in the industry, they always say to me, like, you seem like you could have been an artist. I say, yeah, I, I try. <laughs> and, and it's something where I'm always told that I should still consider doing it, um, but, you know, the pleasure of working in this type of business on this side of it has been very time consuming and it takes up a lot of time and energy but I'm, I'm actually enjoying it quite a bit yeah. um, so from like studying art and you know illustration and well, where are you art, from are you from New York City I'm from here I'm all from right. the Bronx born and raised cool alright right. and um, always been stuck here so to speak for many years <laughs> and then <laughs> well. find my way into loving this city more and more based on the work we're doing and um, it's great because you know coming from Working in retail while going to college, and then finding myself in a very good spot in Midtown Comics. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. So you used to work at Midtown. Comics. I used to work at Midtown Comics. Mm-hmm. I was at one point. I was the assistant store manager at the Grand Central location. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Shout out to those guys. Those guys gave me a really good shot and a chance, and they helped springboard everything that's happening now, so to speak. Oh, it's an outstanding. Uh, well, what they've got three stores, right? In, yeah, in, now they have three stores. In, uh, Technically, in, they have four. Uh-huh. Um, they have the FAO Schwartz um, outside one, um, offsite one, and um, you know, just working in the retail side mm-hmm. in the comics industry because I've worked at Barnes and Noble in the past. I've mm-hmm. even worked as a shop manager at at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So I had a lot of retail uh-huh. experience, and that's what they looked at me towards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure, because I just love comics mm-hmm. and. Whenever I considered the opportunities of trying to look into a job at a comic shop, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to mix the love with the business. Uh, so you never worked in the direct market? Never. Uh-huh. Before mm-hmm. that, stayed away from it. Uh-huh. Very aware of it because, you know, I've always looked at the direct market in a very, I wouldn't say fanish, but a, a more observant type of atmosphere where 
I just looked at where the market was going. Mm-hmm. And that also informs my job right now because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the direct market is a very short short lifespan so far actually it's, it's actually really developed more in the late 70s so mm. even though for some people that seems like a long time it really developed oh, into yeah. what it is now in the last 15-20 years and, and for our, our listeners who may not understand the difference there's a very distinct difference between yes. the direct market or the comic shop market your yes. local comic book shop yes. and the traditional American book trade general yes. store. Yeah, um, you know the American book tra- American bookstore is a essentially a kind of a consignment business. There is, mm-hmm. you know, a publisher. If a publisher's books doesn't sell, you can return them. Yes, the direct market is not that not way so overall. Easy. More yeah. these days, though, there's more. Um, I would have I would have returns to say, allowed yeah. now. Yeah, there's more so because the funny thing about the market now is that there are more comic shops that are getting more book market deals. Yeah, so. They offset their business with Diamond as a main distributor mm-hmm. for their for their use um, to be able to bring in material that they would normally not do so because they can actually return that stuff. Well, see, that has been my mm-hmm. critique or response to the direct market. As important a channel as it is for American comics, right? There's an awful lot of risk on the retailer side and very little on the publisher side. You I mean, yeah. you, you know, it's it sell in as we say. Yeah. You need publishers sell to the store, and there's no returning. Yeah, for the most part. Now, that, like I said, as you were saying, it's, yeah. it's, it's changed somewhat in recent well, years. Well, you, you know, because the thing that I, I realize nowadays is that what's helped my job do so well is because I understand the direct market, and I bring that attitude towards the book market. Because in the book market, you don't have a lot of people who necessarily understand the business side of it. Mm-hmm. They may read a lot of comics, and they may right. be interested in certain genres of, of work, um, because we still should look at it as fiction. Mm-hmm. And so there are cert- certain genres in fiction that actually informs the way they choose their buying methods. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they wouldn't know how to catalog. They wouldn't know how to mm-hmm. you know, create a flow, so to speak, in the bookstore and, dis- and displaying. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, you have a lot of bookstores that don't really know how to actually present comics in a certain way yeah. that can reach the environment. Comic shops, though, are very smart in how in doing mm-hmm. that thing. But the flip side of that is that they don't really understand how to make that work for books themselves. Yes, that's <laughs> you it. Know? So, and, and the market there, I mean, the the, um, the comic shop market, and then once again, now it has changed a little in recent years. Yeah. They're so front list oriented. Yes. Uh, now that's changing once again. I mean, yeah. books are much more important in mix in comic shops than they were than say yeah. when I was growing up, which yeah. is like a hundred years ago. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, because when you look at how many comic shops just treat their business based on the one day a week business, yeah. that's the reason why it's frontless because that's their bread and butter. Yeah. And so, you know. A lot of a lot of comic shops in the direct market a lot of slack and, and a lot of you know stuff put to them, but you have to be very smart to run a successful comic shop nowadays. Yeah, because you have to really know how your market's going to work, how to actually order towards that market. Because again, this is going towards non-returnability, mm-hmm. so you have a lot of backlist that's sitting around that's just for you know periodicals. Because mm-hmm. let's let's be aware that the, the lexicon and the and and I guess. I would have to say the language of comics needs to change a bit mm. because we should look at floppies as periodicals. They are yes, magazines. that's what they are. You yeah. know, but a lot of people don't look at it as that because it became a collectible market in the last 40 years. Yeah. So, you know, when you have a comic shop where you have to basically thrive on your Wednesday a week business, your, your new comics day, you know, you're not going to put that much attention in the book mm. side of it. For us, we've, we've done quite the opposite, but still treating it as if we can still reach that fan, that reader, that actually does look towards that Wednesday a week type of thing. Mm. But you guys don't sell periodicals, do you? We do. Oh, you do? Actually, I didn't know that. So you yeah. so you actually work with uh, with Diamond yeah. Comics yeah. distributors, I guess, as well as the yeah. Diamond Book uh, yeah. distributor yes. side. Yeah, and, and it's, it's been a slow experiment. Actually, we're... We're taking it piece by piece, month by month, time uh, by time. How many, how many uh, periodicals? Because uh, actually, I did not realize that. Uh, too many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just <No>. kidding, there, <laughs> Diamond. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's, it's a good selection. Um, we I, I couldn't really give you a good number. Yeah. Okay. But we we carry some books from Image, from Marvel, from DC, mm-hmm. from Boom, um, from quite a few different, also smaller, independent um, publishers. 
Uh, the reason why I chose to bring it in is because my bosses wanted to just see if we can reach that Wednesday crowd. But for me, it was more about seeing how that title may translate to the book mm-hmm. when that book comes out as a collected format. So mm-hmm. it's been successful, actually, because I can actually forecast better what I need to do as far as like, bringing in quantities, mm-hmm. you know, how to promote, how to display. Uh-huh. Because I can see titles that will be published as single-issue format six months to a year prior to that and see how actually the footwork is going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, in some ways, you've got the best of all possible worlds here. I mean, you, yeah. uh, you don't often see too many book. Uh, bookstores, general bookstores, yeah. selling um, the periodical comics. Yeah. Um, uh, but what you, you you've got the the, the once a week foot trade, and which I bet some bookstores would love to have one day a week when they know. Well, no, the, the, a chunk of customers are going to just automatically show up. Well, the, the funny thing is that we've not actually gotten the reward of that. Oh, really? Um, because what it is is that we have people who casually come in and see stuff. Ah. You know, and, and maybe people don't realize that you're yeah. that you got right, right. Uh, so you know, so we we don't we don't try to do like high quantities either. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just you know, and it's not displayed in the best format right now because it's basically just testing the market out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but we are reaching people. Um, the sales have been actually pretty interesting. You know, it's not bad. It's not great like a comic shop would be mm-hmm. but it's very good and it's very interesting because it's useful to you actually for the seeing how yeah, customer buying habits yeah, and, and they're like exactly yeah. because you know you can't you know you can't order too much because you can't get a lot of returnability anyway. right right and so however but we worked closely in the last few years with diamond where we've been able to do certain things towards using it for events and, and things like that where we help have a great relationship with them where they help us out sometimes with doing certain things and so you know Actually, we quite appreciate Diamond for how they've been able to help us reach a lot of publishers, a lot of creators, um, and it's, you know, I I would have to say it's like, I don't want to use the term snowball because it's been like a natural, gradual climb. Um, ever since you and I first met since the San Diego, um, I was there working closely with meeting a lot of creators and connecting with those people through Diamond, and everything went straight up from there. Yeah. And it's been a, it's been a good good time for us actually you know well you know what what I'd like for you to tell I would, I'd love you to tell our tell our listeners a little bit more about Kunikunia mm-hmm. and its stores around the world and then we're going to yeah. jump back to mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd lo- actually I'd love to jump back to that when I first met you at San Diego yeah. that's when you first said hey look out mm-hmm. here comes Kunikunia with a, m- a lot more more product yeah. a lot more book format comics yeah. but tell us about I'd like to let them know a little bit more about Kunikunia around the world I'm the worst spokesman for Kunikunia well, you, I mean, <laughs> you've got the basic. I know you've got the basic information. I'm sure. Yeah, you're, you're I mean, I don't, I don't know the year we started in Japan. No, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Like but that. just talk about where you have stores. I'd love to know yeah, that. Um, and, and do all of the stores have the same kind of no, product yeah. mix, or are they all they're well, different to paste them? That's part there. of my job too. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we we started in Japan, of course, mm-hmm. um, in the early um, 20th century, and then um, we built up into one of the leading booksellers in Japan. And then branched outwards. Mm-hmm. Um, sixty stores in Japan. Yeah, about like sixty that. stores, around sixty, sixty-five. Um, and we always had stores also in Singapore. Um, about four stores in Singapore, I believe. A few stores in Taiwan, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the largest bookstore in the world in Dubai, and we have a great store in Sydney as well. And um, our stores here in, in in America, it was mostly San Francisco and New York, and and. A couple of other places I can't seem to put my mm. finger on, but our main store in New York used to be at Rockefeller Center, and then we moved over to across the street from Bryant Park. Yeah. And um, from great there, store, great beautiful. location, beautiful. Um, what two levels? Three uh, levels. Three levels. Three levels. Yeah, we have a basement mm-hmm. that sells primarily Japanese um, literature and in Japanese mm-hmm. uh, magazines, which we're also known for as well. And Another thing we're also known for is our stationery. Mm-hmm. And so from there, second on the first floor, we have mostly English books, um, which is gaining a lot of ground as well. Um, that's mm-hmm. a, that's very much to do with our English book buyer, Lori Zoran, who's actually there, who mm-hmm. worked briefly at Barnes & Noble as well. And basically, we reached out to a lot of people who were not aware that Kinokunia was a bookstore in itself. And then also, Kinokunio was actually selling product that was not just Japanese-based. Well, that's when I first encountered it years ago. Right. Uh, I just assumed it was a Japanese-language bookstore right. only. And it was. Yeah. And then, but to to do better in the market, we branched out. Mm. And 
from there, we took it to another step where we took our second floor, which used to have mostly like photo books, art books, graphic design, tattoo books. We moved all that stuff to this first floor, which has done well for that with the other English books as well, and turned the entire second floor into basically a comic shop in itself. And, and, and an awesome one, too, I yeah, might add. Thank, yeah. thank you for yeah. that. Well, it used, to be all, it used to be all Japanese language manga. Yes. Then it was English language manga. Yeah. Now it's just an explosion of yeah. manga and and graphic novels of every pedigree and type you can you yeah. can talk about. It. I mean, you've got a massive uh, image table that's yes. all yes. image. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Uh, whether you whether you're a manga fan, you're a Western comics fan, or you like mm-hmm. you know Euro comics mm-hmm. um, book form. Because this is my, I mean. To me, and partly obviously being at PW, and mm-hmm. my time here, mm-hmm. and my focus on comics, has been in focusing on comics in the book trade, because right. I think it's taking the reading level and the audience to a whole new level. It's, no it, knock on periodicals, but... I mean, it's well, it's so, it's okay to put a knock on the periodicals, and it's <laughs> not like I'm constantly like mad at me. giving a slap <laughs> in the get face. get mad at him. No, but it's just, because what I mean by that is just because I think... As far as the reading environment in in the states, and and the book market is in this in this type of category in gra- comics and graphic novels, it's underdeveloped. It's extremely underdeveloped mm-hmm. compared to most other countries. Yes, um, you and I once um, went to the French embassy to sit on a forum. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Re- yeah, this was the one day symposium on French yes, graphic novels. You know, yeah. and and it was a great day. Yeah. But the the one sobering thing that we heard was how much. How much? How much less of, of 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 bookstores there are compared to even oh, like yeah. Paris alone? Yeah, you know, like basically, America in itself, rough estimate has about ten percent of the bookstores that are actually available in just Paris alone. Yeah, and that's a yeah, sad thing, you know. So, so that's an issue of literacy. It's not to say that people don't know how to read. It's just that people aren't looking towards reading, and. You know, whether you're getting your material online or whether you're basically downloading it or if you're just choosing to read more journalistic fare and nonfiction work, you know, as far as the market is concerned, it's underdeveloped because when you compare that to the other countries who are producing graphic novels and comics, let's say for France with Bande dessinée, the, the numbers are staggering. Yeah. And yeah. and it's not for floppies. It's not for anything like that. They do actually have some form of that in, yeah. the, in itself. But it's mostly geared towards the book market. And that shows that people actually love going to bookstores. Yeah. I wish I had some of the numbers in front of me, but I don't right now. But the, the, the book publishing, graphic novel publishing in France is just it's completely... It's like about close to 5,000 yeah. titles a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Crazy in my mind. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I this wouldn't, is almost as you were saying. Yeah. Almost. This is almost all books. All books. Book format, yes. not periodicals. Yes. And, and mind you, I wouldn't wish any country to produce on that level. To be honest, that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's me on my the own. Japanese way. probably. Do. Well, the, it's even more than that. Yeah. They, yeah. Because they have, and their periodical about, business like is forty. I mean, graphic yeah. novels about forty percent of the entire publishing yes, output. Yes. In and, Japan. Yeah. For manga, it is, and, and basically their periodical format is exceptionally high as well. Even though the numbers aren't as, as vigorous as it used to be maybe a decade ago, um, it's still very extremely high. And so yeah, there has been some flatness in manga sales in Japan. There the has been. Mother of all manga. And it's because there's been, as we're seeing here, a lot of people gravitating more towards the Tonkabone format, which for us is a collected edition of yeah. it. You know? And um, they like to actually get it whole piece instead of just going week to week to week to week yeah. or month to month to month, mm-hmm. even if even though even though those are actually published in, a, in an anthology format. Um, for us, though, the New York store, we looked in towards doing that with the second floor because we noticed that what we were no, known for was a lot of a lot of attention towards our manga and anime. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our bread and butter always. That's going to always be our bread and butter. Um, it's also been a spot where people just love coming into as if, as if they treat it like a museum. You know, like you have the um, the mural by um, Takahiko Inoue. Yes, yes. Um, the, on the, yeah, the great for, manga for, for Vagabond. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it made sense to turn the entire second floor into that. I think it made it made him reach this potential based on that. 
I was there when he was painting it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I seen you in those pictures, I, actually. I was there. I showed up to him. And, and I was totally jealous oh, yeah. of not being yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And, um, but yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, he just did it, you know. Did it like. He, 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 I mean, I don't, he, I don't think he, he didn't pencil it in or anything. No. He just did it. Straight he, ink brush. Yeah. And it brush. was, it was, it's, it's beautiful. It's, and, it's yeah. beautiful. And, and, you know, so when we decided to really dedicate it to manga and, and comics, we, we took, treated it as like, and it's still kind of an experiment. Um, and as far as graphic novels and comics is concerned, it was a lot smaller, the section itself. And we said, okay, mm. let's see how this goes. And then as soon as the numbers started showing up that did well for sales for us, then we went further. But we, through, through my you you know through my, my leadership, I guess I, I no 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 pat on the back, but it was just that my decision was to basically do do it differently than you would get it at a comic shop. Mm. At a comic shop, you go in. Most cases, everything's alphabetical by title. If you need to find your Superman, you just go in S, etc. Blah blah blah. But you know, I wanted to treat it more. In a curated fashion, because mm-hmm. um, if you want a Marvel comic, you can go to the section for Marvel comics. I think anybody who wants to buy a Cap book, Captain America, sorry, yeah. speaking geek talk, <laughs> um, or even like an X Men book, you know, you know where to find it. And the same thing going for a DC title. But we treat other graphic novels as it should be, like it noted by the author, mm-hmm. you know, and who that creator is. So that way, you know. If you're looking for something by Warren Ellis, you find all of his books no matter what publisher he's worked for. Yeah. You know, the same thing for Neil Gaiman, the same thing for Grant Morrison, you know, Mobius and Jodorowsky. Sure. You know, so you should be able to find that stuff in a, in a fashion where as soon as you see that title, mm-hmm. you may see across the shelves and find something else that might interest you as well. And so that's how I treated it. And then I expanded further as being a pure art geek, a pure illustration geek, to bring in sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. Sketchbooks that you wouldn't find in a normal bookstore. Sketchbooks you wouldn't even find in most mm-hmm. comic shops because I go directly to the dealers and the, mm-hmm. and the um and um uh, and the owners of these actual art houses and so forth to bring in their particular work. And whenever I go to conventions now, I meet up with creators and if I see something I like, mm-hmm. I talk to them and see about if we can get it into the store. So we have a lot of stuff in there that you know I I, I basically like to say like we're, I'm trying to be the Stuart Ing on the East Coast. While not being able to be as glorious <laughs> and magnanimous as Stuart Ing, because um, he's doing some great work, and I'm, I'm and he's been like kind of an an, uh, an idol to me as far as like how he's able to turn that that store in Torrance into what it is, and it's worldwide. You know how many people know of him. When I was in Angoulême, and I saw him in um, at the Kim Jong Gi um, drawing exhibition, so many people knew who he was because mm. of his relationship with. Talk about friends. him for uh, mm-hmm. a minute. Um, with, what's the store? Um, well, it's just stewarding books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's in Torrance, California. I'll be honest with you, I've never been there yet. But yeah. I've yeah. shopped I haven't either, but I, you know, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like so many people have known of it mm-hmm. because as soon as you go to a site, you can find art books and sketchbooks from so many great illustrators. Mm-hmm. We're talking like Golden Age illustrators. Mm-hmm. We're talking print illustration, comics illustration, animation illustration. Mm-hmm. Bandis and the illustration, all of it, you know, and because there's a there's a unifying love for just the the art form itself, and so that's how I treat how I do things over at the store too, and it's been going good. A lot of people have come in there, constantly asking like, "Do you guys have this?" Because I seen I seen that at Stuart Insights, like, I get jealous, and then I look into getting it in because I'm constantly looking into bringing in stuff all the time, and that's the pleasure. Well, of the I don't too. get up to uh, Kinokuni enough, but mm-hmm. every time I go in there, I'm blown mm-hmm. away. The last time when I uh, you were kind of to give me a little show around there, mm-hmm. I was blown away. And um, actually, if you go to the uh, PW Comic World's uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. I've got some pictures up there yeah. of the store, and it's really unbelievable. Thanks and I'm just picks. talking about the books, yeah. you know. But as you were saying, there's mm-hmm. so many other uh, r- related merchandise. Yes, um, there's just something there for it's everybody. Doing great for us, and we yeah. bring we bring all the worlds into one place. Yeah. You know. So what? what so what? Uh, you were starting this, as I can tell, at the like in 2014 or roughly around there I mean that's when I first yeah, 20, met you I think in 2013-2014 yeah. so what's been uh, the result I mean are you are you seeing uh, a new kind of reader more yeah. obviously more traffic sales must be doing well traffic is great because we're getting all types of traffic that I for one didn't think we would do so well with um, you know because we're situated, situated between two 
of Midtown Comics' locations. Mm. So that itself was already a tough competition to pull right. off. And then to see the numbers do well on just book sales mm. has been great. So we've seen a lot of traffic of, of course, your what we call otaku, you know, people who mm-hmm. love manga and anime yeah. who come in there. And then you, you find, like, tourists, which has been great for us because of our location. But mm-hmm. then because of how we developed our, our, our customer base, you have a lot of loyal customers coming in just to come in to see what we've brought in, what we have. And this it's, goes across the board. It's regular comics readers to casual readers. And that's mm-hmm. actually the target that I, I am more interested in, the, the casual, casual reader. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mentioned when we were at the um, French Embassy that, that one time, I notice that comic shops don't really gear themselves towards casual readers. That's where you can develop the book market. That's where yeah. you can develop more people interested in just reading anything, and that's how you can develop your sales based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at other countries, bookstores who actually have a vibrant, big graphic novel section also have vibrant other mm-hmm. sections there. And it's because you have a person who not only wants to read something in pure prose, but they also want to actually read visual mediums. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's been great for us because a lot of those people actually can explore more. Mm-hmm. So it's also worked out in the reverse where we have a lot of otaku who've seen only just manga a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they will explore and they'll see something cool and they'll say to themselves, I, I, I got to look at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to check that out. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it reaches their taste. And next thing you know, they're expanding and exploring. And that's well, that, what you want. That's interesting because, I mean, I, mean, I, I suppose to some extent this happens in other countries, but certainly in... As I grew up in American comics, yeah. it's very stratified. I mean, you yeah. get into your lane, mm-hmm. and you kind of sneer at everybody else's lane by yeah. that. I mean, of course, the superhero lane has kind of dominated everything way too for, for yeah. way too long. Right. But we're in a period now where that is changing. Obviously, superhero comics are still kind of the big dog, but yeah. there's a much more diverse... Uh, amount of material yeah. throughout, even in comic shops yeah. these days, certainly in bookstores and certainly at Kennebunia. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's due to the work of publishers like First Second, mm-hmm. um, Drawn and Quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, those are big. See, that's the thing. I would presume, and not even speaking about Barnes and Noble per se, because I I don't know how they do their setup. Mm-hmm. Even even when I worked there, it was very much in a nascent stage, mm-hmm. but. You know, I, w- I wouldn't presume that they would get strong numbers from publishers like that. But for us, Fanographics, NBM, yeah, First, mm-hmm. Second, Drawn and Quarterly, you know, Humanoids, you know, those are basically publishers that are doing quite well in our store because of the selection of, of material that they produce. And I think that's where bookstores need to actually look towards doing as well, doing more with the way they display their product. You know, do events with those publishers in some fashion. You, you, not necessarily having to do a signing, but you know, just basically mm-hmm. figure out ways to do promotions to get more notice of that. Um, it's worked for us because that reaches a casual audience. Yeah. You know, but for example, we bring up how you can reach one one type of customer to branch out. Customers who like manga a lot have seen books like first um, from the Last Man series mm-hmm. um, from first second. That's done well with them. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing... A huge franchise in France. Huge. <laughs> Which I'm way yeah. bigger than I had <laughs> any notion of. It was it was crazy. Well, well <laughs> as it turned out, we're just to interrupt for a second, but mm-hmm. we, 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 were, we were fortunate enough to bump into each other at yeah. Angoulême. Now, you've been to Angoulême many yes. times before. Yeah. Angoulême being the, the great French annual comics festival yeah. that takes over this medieval town. Yeah. I was fortunate enough this year in 2016 to go for the very first time I bumped mm-hmm. into uh, yeah. you there and uh, <laughs> then we both stood and marveled at the incredible bookstore yeah. at the uh, Museum BD there yeah, which yeah. is a whole museum to Ben Desenay yeah. and this bookstore was the most awesome bookstore it's... All apologies to Kenneth Kinnear but no, it's amazing <laughs> not only just for the European graphic novels yeah. but for the manga for the manga it was an I mean, amazing well, inventory let's, let's, let's educate people who don't know about this first though the, the second largest procurer of manga and producer of manga outside of Japan in the world is France yeah. they actually translate more material than any other country in the world and they actually sell humongously well yeah you know because they've reached every type of market because for example here in the states 
most mangas actually produce more for that shonen, which is more basically boys manga. Boys, mm-hmm. And yeah. then also to the flip side of that is shoujo manga for girls. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that larger selection in between there. You know? Yes. You know, you only have a few publishers doing it like Fantagraphics and Vertical, for example. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they're still... So, doing things like Gigaka and, the, right. the, you know, the it's, more almost indie type, type comics. Sort of. In, in, exactly. Uh, 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 and so the thing about it is that their range of titles is not as large as is what's even produced in France. Yeah. And no. so, yeah. you know, if you're a French yeah. reading person, you know, you can actually find something for you that's been produced in Japan. And those publishers have also ex- even expanded towards going towards bringing in creators of manhwa from China and Hong Kong and mm-hmm. Taiwan, mm-hmm. as well as manhwa from Korea. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the market is just staggering. So when we talked about 5,000 titles a year being produced for just Band Destiny, that's just for one, just one category of right. comics publishing <laughs> right. in France. Yeah. Right. But yeah. then when you look at the manga output, yeah. it's exceedingly it's huge. huge. So yeah. that's why, you know, you have books like The Last Man series doing so well because that they know how to reach that market. And for, for a title like that, I mean, I loved... Um, when I met Bastion Vives and... and um, um, Salah, um, Balak and, and um, Mike uh, San Julian. Um, I met them on, on just by chance, and then I, these are all authors. These are the creators of the Last Man. Yeah, series. okay, right, yeah, yeah. And um, and I spoke to Bastian Vives, and he he was telling me about how he dropped by our store one time. This yeah. was last year, and he was in the city, and he was there with his girlfriend, and he saw how I had the Last Man series. Up to that point, it was up to volume two or three, I think, at that point, and. It's, it's a habit of mine to put them all together in one shot so you can see them all together in mm-hmm. his glory. And he was in there and he took a picture of himself holding his book so to show off to his girlfriend. <laughs> and when I met him in Angoulême, I said, how come you didn't tell me you were in there? He says, um, I just was too shy and I didn't want to bring too much attention to myself. But I find that ridiculously interesting how so many <laughs> French creators, like himself and Balak and, and Michael, as well as um, J.D. Morvan, um, mm-hmm. The creator of Naja and uh, Mecca and Zaya mm-hmm. um, through Magnetic Press, like those guys know of us, and they've mm-hmm. known of us from Japan. And then when they come to our store, they're mm-hmm. like, "It's a dream." Yeah, yeah. You well, know, it, it is like a dream store. I mean, yeah. it's a, and it's and it's become more and more of, of like a dream. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, I cut you off from mm-hmm. what you were talking about before, which I think right. we're talking about the manga market. Yeah. Uh, but you know, actually, one thing I would, and we we we, we admit brought this up earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, the manga market here, uh, certainly here in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if it was the same effect everywhere, but in North no. America, it hit a wall. It did about 2008, 2009, yeah. combination of the recession, but other things too. Scanlation. Scanlations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, scanlation killed it. But yeah. the funny thing about scanlation. And, and now, before you go to, mm-hmm. what are scanlations? Scanlations are basically manga that's provided in your particular language of reading. Um, by a host um, site that actually illegally, let's be frank. Yeah, no, this is piracy. This is this, this, this piracy, and they're putting it online for you to actually read it. It's considered illegal because while other people are able have to basically purchase it to read it, mm-hmm. you're reading it for free. And this was originally mostly done by fans mm-hmm. at one point. Yes. And it, at a certain point, there was a certain amount of responsibility. At least mm-hmm. I know of people who would take them down yeah. if they were licensed in English. Yeah, but you know, some of those people are just creating mirror pages to basically still do the same work. Yeah. You know? um, and but but, it, but it's, it's gone to a whole other level yeah. in the age of uh, uh, these days. Because what happens is these sites, they look like legal... Yeah, they generate advertising revenue from that's enormous the, traffic. The big thing, but they're free to read the yeah. titles, and you're reading it some in most cases within a day or two of when it's actually published in Japan. And no royalties, no royalties. are being paid right. to anybody. So the funny thing about the scanlation market is that it went from being basically a leper to becoming the most helpful thing in the manga market in this country, mm. and I would say worldwide too. Um, the one thing we get from a common customer coming into our store all the time is asking us if we have a particular title and, uh, and not even knowing whether it's been published in English or not, but if we had it because they read it online. Yeah, yeah. And so, you well, know... See, at first, in the early days of mm-hmm. me writing about manga, mm-hmm. I remember people talking about that as yeah. a way to be, that it was helpful. Right. But then later on, a lot of the same people had changed their tunes because... Yeah. It seems as though after a certain point, there was a generation of American kids that had grown up, basically grown up not paying for manga. Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> we're talking about a good more than more than a couple of years of a decade, yeah. you know, of people who grew up to read, for example, an entire run of Naruto. Yeah. That just ended last year without ever paying for it. Yeah. But there's a sizable number of those readers who actually have actually purchased it. Yeah. And that's where it's actually helped the market. You know, and well, at one point I thought the Jap- the Japanese licensors were slow to provide digital alternatives. Yes. Now that has changed also because they now across the board everybody is sort of getting their stuff out there. Right now Comicsology reasonably priced right. digital yeah. packages. Comicsology is actually helping yes. out Shueisha yes. and Shogakukan with their um, material from um, Cuz for a long Jump. time it was not yeah. very much manga and Comicsology at all. That at has all. changed yeah. dramatically. But I don't I don't I mean I don't know what their numbers are like as far as like numbers as far as readers as well as revenue, but I do know and I I'm not the biggest supporter of Comixology, but I'm not a hater on Comixology because there are still people who will buy it digitally and still want to buy it in a tactile experience of reading oh, and holding it in their hand. Yeah. And I think the beauty of the market right now is that there are book publishers who are working towards creating an, a unique experience when you actually hold a book in your hand. Mm-hmm. You're not getting things in your standard format anymore. You're getting something that feels like you should put this on your shelf and you know hand it off to a friend or your children yeah. for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the manga market, when it crashed, I mean, it, it, it's a weird way to put it that way because it's, it just, it just well, went dormant. The, the, yeah. the sales of physical titles yeah, were horrible. hit the hit horrible. I but mean, the enthusiasm, the fan culture, right. the attendance at, 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 um, at uh, um, uh, anime and manga-related events yeah. were skyrocketing yes. the whole time. Right. But... I'm going to be slapped for saying this. <laughs> Not by me. But there, there is a large number of the com- consumer base that doesn't make the income to support the habit of reading manga a lot. Hmm. Well, you they're, know, it's they're not, kids very they're, often. They're mostly kids. Yeah. And, you know, because working at a comic shop, I've seen how people who basically work to make as much money as possible to buy $200 worth of comics a week... Yeah. And I'm talking about even during a time before we we seen the standard price of like three ninety nine for your regular single issue. Yeah. I'm talking like even back when it was like two ninety nine and a, and yeah. one ninety nine. You know, yeah. like there were people who I did that. <laughs> you know, I I made sure that I had a substantial amount of money per week yeah. on the side. Forget dating. Forget <laughs> hanging out. Otaku. Otaku. <laughs> Make sure if I'm eating. I can buy a dollar mill so I can make sure I can get two two dollars worth of comics at that point. You know, and it's the thing is the market is still kind of like that, but the manga market though, listen, we're talking about a market that did so badly at one point in America that Tokyo Pop had to move out. Yeah. And st- a lot of people thought Tokyo Pop didn't exist anymore. No, Tokyo Pop still existed in Europe. It was a, and they're booming. They're booming. <laughs> they just decided to let go of us. Yeah. That's now that says something where a publisher says we don't want to deal with you anymore. But then, fast forward to like a decade later, and you have people coming into the store who are watching streams of, for example, a title like Future Diary, which was published by Tokyo Pop years ago, and they're just getting, catching one of it, and Tokyo Pop, who retains the license of that, no longer has the ability to publish that title. And so, that's why I'm saying now, you have a lot of people who are able to explore more because of streaming media for anime for looking at scanlations and then they want to just basically have it collected in their hand they Mm -hmm. don't want to because you know what nobody always wants to just upload their computer or turn on their computer or download it and they just want to basically put it in their hand and read it and to be frank and this is why I love print your server crashes (laughs) your 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 PC crashes your iPod (laughs) breaks your phone breaks whatever you go broke and you may not be able to upload onto your, or, or, I mean, download whatever you have mm-hmm. on Comixology, but you have always on your shelf, you know, God forbid, though, that your house burns down. Yeah, yeah. well, there's that. Right? <laughs> That's the last step, though. Yeah, right. Water damage and fire, the two key components that, that is the enemy of paper, right? <laughs> so you have that ability to actually have something in your hand to read it. Well, yeah. we, also, we also live in a time now where public libraries yes. are amassing impressive collections yes. of not just uh, American graphic novels, but, but manga. manga. Yeah, and so, and so, you know, even though we, you know, we spoke a lot about how you can have, you know, more of a selection in, say, like, France, 
or even Brazil, or even Spain, or even Italy, um, there is still a large selection of manga available now in the U.S. market. Yeah. And the and the public libraries all over this country and every state is actually helping flourish mm-hmm. that as well. And so all types of stores are seeing the, the um, revenue off of that. Bookstores, comic mm-hmm. shops. You know, there's. I'm hearing that there's manga being brought into like Walmart now. Uh-huh. So well, you know, yeah. Well, actually, I did do a story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some who was I? I was talking with Viz, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Ku over at Diamond, the guy who runs right. uh, Diamond Book uh, right. Distributors. Right. Um, he told me that there are a bunch of people working behind the scenes yeah. to get um, Walmart back into the manga business. They apparently were in it one time, dropped right. out of it. Yeah. And I think that there's some plans for certain kinds of displays, mm-hmm. building toward them having, um, you know, a, a, a section. Well, let me, let, this is something I've always wanted to talk about, even in this, in this format, where you give me a chance to do this. Um, and this is where I trump up what makes Kino Kunia better. Where you have places like Walmart, and when you have places like Barnes Noble who talk about expanding their selection and so forth, more power to them because Cause they said, I mean, BNN did do that. Yeah, and, they, 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 do that. they really expanded their show, and, and I'm happy for that mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm not competitive to the point where I'm thinking like more bookstores shouldn't be doing that, you know, because we need more people reading, you know, because yeah. if you can go to any bookstore and what, look, I bought stuff from Barnes Noble still, mm. and I work in a bookstore, you know, <laughs> you know, but here's how we do it better: we cater to trying to think of how the customer wants to find something and having something there for what that customer might like mm-hmm. even beyond of what, what they just purchased that one day. Mm-hmm. You go into a lot of these stores and so hearing about what you're saying about Walmart particularly as well, if they don't have a setup for where you can actually explore properly, I call it the fuzzy logic of customer service. Yeah. All right. you, know, you should know how to go in there and find something but if it just looks so random yeah, and if you're just bringing in tons of, of 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 books and titles and so forth, but without thinking about how you need to present that to the mm-hmm. customer, you're not reaching the customer in a way that mm-hmm. is going to help the market overall. Also, also, if you're bringing in this limited selection of books that you yeah. think are just going to be the big sellers, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you know, it just, it's, I, I I don't see how that helps. It doesn't help. Your helps the customer or helps bring the customer back to you looking for anything no. that's related to. Them. Just because you might think to yourself, well, I'm in Brooklyn. So I got to bring in everything from Fantagraphics. Doesn't mean you can't bring in everything else that might exist for somebody else there. Yeah. And so, I think for any bookstore now, I'm going to just say it right out now: mm-hmm. is that any bookstore, it's implorable. It's 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 you need to basically figure out a way to reach everyone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to bring in the Library of Commerce mm-hmm. or Congress. Sorry. Yeah. You know, you don't need to bring in. Basically, every single book that's ever existed in, in you know mm-hmm. to mankind, you know. I mean, I try to you know as a fan, I try to bring in stuff that you won't be able to find that's already going out of print and just mm-hmm. snatch it as quickly as possible from a distributor. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do that if you have a small store. Mm-hmm. But if you have it set up in a way where you can reach someone, then you're doing the job you need to. So you can be a big chain like a big box like Barnes and Noble or what Walmart be trying to do, or you you can be a small bookstore and well, that's an interesting point too because. Independent bookstores, which in, in my years ago when we were starting our coverage out, mm-hmm. we thought would be the the these that would be the the, the area uh, yeah. of retailers who would go after the independent you know uh, publisher materials stuff and drawing quarterly. Right. But they have they I mean it's a little better, but independent bookstores still drag their feet on the feet category. But I think they're a little intimidated we, by it. They are, and and we have to remind ourselves though that a lot of the bigger publishers have really just got into the game now. Yeah. You know, you know, you take like the support that First Second and Drawn and Quarterly have with Macmillan. That's helped them to actually mm-hmm. do more as far as yeah. their publishing. Macmillan output. is the distributor. The I distributor mean, for them. First Second is actually uh, owned by uh, Macmillan, right? But but um, Drawn and Quarterly is a distri- distribution client, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the thing is, is that when you have somebody backing you to get your books into as many places as possible then you can actually put more work into how many, how many mm. um, titles you publish. And so this has helped for a lot of um, great publishers, like, for example, No Bra with Hachette and Abrams Comic Arts. You yes. know? But I would think, though, those publishers, not particularly No Bra and First, Second, and Joint Quarterly, you know, because I've been name-dropping them so much, but I would say, like, even the other ones that, you know, ha- as we've seen, and that go out to Angoulême, 
try and find something to bring back from France to bring over to IDW. here. IDW. And IDW, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, you could still find a lot of those creators here mm-hmm. um, in, this, in the States to actually put their work together in a beautiful format and have it available in bookstores to sell, too. So those smaller bookstores, they, they've been trotting and, and, and plotting towards getting to that because, you know, back then the market wasn't that big as far as the publishing is concerned. Now, they have that opportunity, but we are talking about a market here in, in the U.S. where, you know, it's a gamble to make good revenue, mm-hmm. you know, so you can't always spend a lot of money bringing in stuff you yeah. know, for mm-hmm. the independent bookstore. So the big box stores need to do what the independent bookstores were trying to do. You know, if we're just talking about just trying to build literacy, mm-hmm. we're trying to build more people reading the, um, the, 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 the medium. Um, you know, because look, a lot of people like to think we're an independent bookstore. We're not an independent bookstore. No, you guys are here. You're, right, you're a global chain. Right, we're, we're a corporation. <laughs> you know, like if we, if you want to call us an evil empire, you can call us an evil yeah, empire. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, I mean, I kind of think you're a nice empire. <laughs> right, exactly. A, ben, a benevolent kingdom. <laughs> there so you speak. go. Right. You know. Um, let's, let's see. We've got a little time left here. A couple mm-hmm. things, more things I wanted to ask you. Um, uh, what I'm kind of. Uh, you know, I get a little confused here. It's almost it, like we got to be do this as a two-part. Yeah, well, let's see. Well, we'll, we'll certainly return to you uh, in the future, you know, because it's great to have a re- a retailer talk about these issues. You know, mm. out there where the rubber meets the road. Mm. Well, tell you what, let's jump for a second. One of the things um, I think back in February, I wrote a piece about mm-hmm. Kinnikuni about right. variant covers. Yeah. A little unusual yeah. for the book market, yeah. but um, but I thought real interesting idea. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, variant covers uh, it happens all the time in the periodical world. Yes, you know, various issues have multiple covers by multiple artists. Right. fans usually love it. Right. Uh, you know, on the other hand, sometimes people say it's a little gimmicky. Yeah, on the other hand, people complain about it, <laughs> right. but then the stores really want it, and the fans really want it. The fans do want so, it. So, uh, yeah, so tell us a little about what what you did at Kunikunia. Well, I, you know, sometimes I wonder why did I do this. Part of it is because I wanted to draw more interest. It wasn't to try and get more sales it was more to just because we were we're doing good mm-hmm. but I wanted to get more interest because I still want more people to look at us synonymously with the culture yeah. and the mm-hmm. medium and so part of that was basically looking at particular titles that we would like to actually draw attention to ourselves with mm-hmm. and so we're not looking towards basically flood the market yeah. with a whole bunch of variant covers yeah. because I don't want to create an arms race. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, I, I will tell people right now, there is an arms race brewing in this in this certain sector as, yeah. as far as doing variant covers. And um, so for me, was I wanted to just associate ourselves with coolness because yeah, yeah. Kino mm-hmm. Kuni has always been in the, the association of coolness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... So this was a limited thing, but a it was interesting. Thing. Yeah, brought, it, you know. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't want to do like... 20,000 variants, yeah, you know, yeah. and I mean 20,000 in quantity of a yeah. particular title. We wanted to just basically create these little limited editions that are thrown out there just for a cover yeah. itself, mm-hmm. or sometimes in the future we might even look towards content mm-hmm. um, as oh, far as like provocative, to, you know, yeah. to add to that as well. We're, we're thinking about it, uh-huh. we're thinking about it. It's okay. something that I'm trumpeting to try and have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've done that first with Gollum from Magnetic Press, which has mm-hmm. been good for us so far. Um, and then we seconded that with um, um, The Wicked and Divine from Image from Karen Gillan and um, Jamie McKelvey. And uh, and then we followed that up with Rick Remender and Sean Gordon Murphy's on Tokyo Ghost. And it's been really good for us. Uh-huh. Really good okay. for us. And the interest is built. Um, we did very well at Emerald City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. That was our first time being at that convention out west for our stores. And we had signings for that. And it did so well for yeah. us. And um, the next one we have coming out is... Marjorie Liu and Sana, uh, Sana Takeda's um, Monstrous coming in July okay. as well. And that's going to be really good. And we have another one coming up around that time, too. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, let's see. Well, uh, what's your personal taste in comics? I knew you were going to ask. What do you read? Everything. Yeah, yeah well, I, mean, I know you got to read everything. But no, I, I, see, no, you say you admit it, you are like an otaku. I am. And I, it's, see, I don't... I mean, yeah, I just read anything. I just like good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, what you reading now? Right now, I I don't want to I don't want to give too much props to it because I know how people are hating on Marvel slightly right now. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I can understand what Marvel's doing, and I can understand why people are kind of hating on it. But um, but I 
kind of appreciate um, the Ultimates a lot. The Ultimates is a really smart title. Yeah. Um, it's basically what I joked about is calling Black Avengers from Mighty Avengers. Yeah. Because uh, okay. <laughs> basically that's what it was. But um, Al Ewing has took that concept from the work that he's done on that, especially focusing on Adam the Blue Marvel, mm-hmm. and basically made him the centerpiece in some fashion in The Ultimates and it's a really smart book um, okay I, 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 yeah. I have not read it but yeah it's cool a really good book um, another book I'm reading is Patience from Daniel Klaus oh yeah Fantagraphics sure. that's really good yeah. yes um, what else am I reading I'm reading so many I am reading um, as far as manga is concerned I just started reading I Am a Hero um, that's a really good one. It's basically about a person, um, a mangaka, who thinks he's crazy when zombies seems to exist, and next thing you know, he's the hero to basically face off against. Oh wait a minute! I've heard about this. Book. Yeah, it's yeah, really, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I have really read good. Um, just reading so much, you know. I'm, um, a lot of stuff from Image. I'm reading. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, I was one thing I was really impressed with Kenia mm-hmm. is that there's like an Image section. Yeah. Kind I mean, has of, it? Yeah. What? Just to reflect on the uh, market again. Why did I do that? Yeah. Um, do I do that? Are, are they? Are they? Are they? <laughs> uh, Image seems to be bringing people into stores. I mean, Image it, is really. It's like it's like a destination publisher now in I ways was, that Image never was in the past. You know, I mean, from I remember reading online during one of the Image expos that Eric Stevens said that he wants to make Image Comics the, first, the number one publisher in the, in the world, and I can attest to that. What they're doing as far as bringing in creators. Who are known for outstanding work in Marvel and DC and everywhere else, and having them do their own thing is what's contributing to that. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, that's what I'm talking about: meeting that middle ground. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like a, a complete indie reader, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be a complete superhero reader to appreciate books that Dark Horse and 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 more particularly Image are putting out with the with the titles that they have. And that's what's bringing in more people because then next thing you know, they're they're on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. Everybody's talking about them. For example, going back to like the the person who always reads manga, that person will end up buying Saga. You yeah. know, yes. and and so it went from Walking Dead being the the, the mm-hmm. one that brought him into you know because of the TV show and, and even before the TV show came out because people were knowing about the TV show mm-hmm. about to um, um, hit the airways. But Saga basically took on a life of its own, and. Um, a big shout out to Brian K. Vaughan, who basically is a friend of the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a couple of signings with him so far, and it's basically did well for us because people come in, they see the sign, they go to the signing, and they basically see what we have as a table display, and they go they go nuts over yeah. it, you know. And it's doing well for us, you know. And some of our stores are doing that too, and that's the thing I wanted to talk about as far as Kino is like, you know. The New York store is the main store doing this type of thing, but because of how well we've been doing, it's been a shot in the arm in the company. Mm-hmm. And now we're basically trying to not necessarily replicate, but take that, that seed and use it in, in different stores as well. Um, as I mentioned with Emerald City Comic Con, we're taking the, the success of that, um, having a booth there at that convention, and you know doing that as well out west in our stores there. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. Seattle will be doing a bigger selection of comics now. Um, we're looking towards that with San Francisco and LA as well. Mm-hmm. And you can find our limited edition variant covers in those particular stores as well as seeing them overseas as well. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reach everybody and build more. And so that way you can find a big bookstore that knows how to reach its customers right. and its readers, you yeah. know, instead of just saying, oh, we brought in more titles. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. No, you know, we, yeah. we want to reach everybody. Right. You know, you know. All right. Well, you know what? I think this is a perfect uh, place to stop. I mm-hmm. think what we, I think though, we will return periodically yeah. <laughs> yeah. to get the retailer's point of view on what's happening in this great comics mm-hmm. world. That's like this new expanded and mm-hmm. diverse comics world. Yeah. And on that note, uh, I just want to thank you, Terrence, for being on More to Come. Thank you, Calvin. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you.